Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. Praise the Lord. My name is Jacob, and you're listening to Scripture Unleashed. I'm here with Joe. Howdy. Seth. Hey. Anthony. Hey, hey. And we have a special episode today, and we are joined with Reverend Stephen Waldron. Hello. And in this episode, we will be interviewing Brother Waldron. We're going to just kind of go through each of these questions each of us has come up with. He'll give us his take on whatever or tell us a little bit more about himself. So, yeah, let's go. Brother Anthony. I'm looking at my notes, but I don't know if that's a great way to start. But what popped into my mind was, how, how did you get into the church? How I got into church was strange journey. I lived next door to Reverend Donald Knight from the time I was five till I was 17. So Don Knight was a United Pentecostal Church minister, grew up with his kids, his wife would take me to school, that type thing. But that's not how I got in the church. I actually saw a young lady that I like, flirted with her, and she invited me to church. Flirt to convert, you know, <laughs> and uh, I got the whole got, got baptized wow. in Jesus' name. Did you end up marrying that lady? Oh yeah, that's Sister Waldron. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Thirty-five years. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's actually same thing with Brother Mole. How do you study? Like, what do you look for in like your sources? Uh, where do you find your sources and things like that? I have a library, so I've done a lot of study in the past, and I've got a rather extensive library, so that helps. And Blue Letter Bible is probably my basic go-to source. You always have to wonder, you know, like when you use commentaries, that type thing, you always have to know what are the commentaries background? Mm, you know, where yeah. is this person coming from? Are yeah. they Reformed? Are they Trinitarian? Are they oneness? Are they conservative? Are they liberal? Are they neo-evangelical? You mm. can tell a lot of that by the schools they attended and who's publishing, you know, the different... Publishing houses, Baker, Erdman, Kriegel, Zondervan, you know, Word, Nelson. They're all going to have sometimes various slants on it, you know. And then over the course of time, you know, you know certain people are rather trustworthy, at least in certain areas. It's like my old pastor used to say, eat the foods but out the sticks. So mm -hmm. you can just eat certain things, you know, like on uh, everyday life, Edwin Yamuchi. It just came out the Dictionary of Everyday Life and Biblical Times, four-volume set. And it's a tour de force. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And, like, Bible dictionaries, always a good source. Like, New Unger's Bible Dictionary, the ISB, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, James Orr, Nelson and Holman are going to have good Bible dictionaries as well. You know, and so all those are good sources. I can remember my youth minister one time. He was preaching on the three Hebrew boys not bowing. And so he's, he's preaching. He's a phenomenal guy. He's still just a great guy. And he, he's preaching out of Daniel, and it's about all the instruments. And he gets to the sack butt, and he says, in the sack butt. And you can tell he's like, what is that? You know, yeah. He just stopped. <laughs> well, and when you're teaching to youth, <laughs> they're yeah. just like... Pfft. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, God, well, they, it was over. I mean, yeah. Just rolling on the floor. There's a lot. I mean, you just, and you have to watch. There's certain King James-isms, too, that you have to, to watch. I remember um, you were telling the story, I think it was at men's retreat a few years ago here. You were telling a story about a, a lady, she was possessed, she came into your church, you know, and yeah. she, she was like oh, frothing yeah. around or whatever. And Yeah, that was kind of interesting, because like, she's like on the point of her head going up and down, I'm like, Man, that lady is flexible. I'm just such a skeptic. I'm yeah. just like, is this lady really demon possessed? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
So when her eyes flashed red and she started talking to her, that's where yeah, like, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> like you've really got it even. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But yeah. you know, I tell you another one. I may have shared this story too at that same retreat. But when I was at Jackson with Brother Kraft, there was a guy frothing at the mouth and everything. Brother Kraft goes and hugs him, and all of a sudden everything's fine. So the next day at Bible College at Chapel, Brother Kraft said, a lot of you have wanted to know what I said to stop that. And he says, all I told the guy was, you better quit showing out or I'm going to call the police. Because <laughs> he really wasn't demon-possessed. Right. He just wanted attention. We'd had another incident like that when I was with Brother Latta. A guy came in and started frothing it with the mouth. And Brother Latta said, shut up! <laughs> you know, the guy's like, what? Like, see, you don't have a demon. <laughs> but if you don't quit playing, you're going to get one. Uh, you know, so. Several years ago, Apostolic Pioneer Missionary, um, your, your pastor, Brother Sam Lanta, ministered in our church in Valley City and Oaks and blessed our churches tremendously. What areas did Brother Lanta shape your ministry? Well, you know, more than uh, I could ever know, really. I find myself wherever I preach, almost every service, I'm going to mention him, or even if I don't mention his name, mention, there's something he said. So, mm -hmm. And one of the things I had to learn was submission. They really didn't teach that in Bible college. I remember when I heard a seminar one time on biblical submission, submission to authority, you know, David and Saul and don't touch God's anointing and all this. It really helped form, and I, I see that so often people want to get out from under spiritual authority and it's so difficult to define what is even spiritual authority does it extend to organizations and things really your highest form of spiritual authority is your local church pastor yeah. mm -hmm. one of the blessings i had in my life is he was internationally known for training ministers around the world so you know he had such a great balance between Bible study, hard work, dealing with people. It, it was just fantastic. Probably the piece of advice he gave me that I have found most valuable, strangely enough, is he said, now son, never be surprised about anything. That piece of advice has helped me so much. I'll have people come up to me and they'll say, pastor, I got something to tell you. I'm like, what? They said, well, it's going to shock you. I'm like, Probably not. <laughs> they're like, you know, this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, well, let's get it right with Jesus. Let's, yeah. let's get right with God. So that was an enormous mm. piece wow. of advice. What's your thoughts on impartation in the sense of, you know, I'm going to impart to you the gift of healing, or mm. I'm going to impart to you the gift of soul winning, or... I don't or, think that can. I don't think that happens. Would that have? <laughs> would that have anything to do with First Timothy chapter four verse fourteen? Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands by the presbytery, as well as Romans chapter one verse eleven, where Paul said, "For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift." Um, so the impartation. Yeah. What's your? I mean, doctrine what do you think? What, yeah, it's going around. The doctrine that's going around. What do you think is yeah. the end of that? What you know? What's going to come of it? Well, mm -hmm. you know, and I do think like Romans one, Paul had certain spiritual gifts he wanted to impart. Yeah. Yeah. To the Roman believers, and in the Timothy reference, that very well could be speaking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Sure. Mm. How he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, as far as double portion anointings and all this, you have Elijah and Elisha. Mm -hmm. That was a particular time Elijah yeah. asked 
That double what portion can I do is the for first you? And Elisha said, well, I like double portion of your spirit. He said, ooh, you're asking something tough. Right. But if you see me, this will happen. So there was a time in my life, like every time, I mean, if I was around Jerry Jones, N.A. Urshan, whoever, James Gilgore, I would be praying while they're talking to me. They didn't know, but I'm praying, I'm like, God, give me every good thing in their life. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Yeah. You know? right. He imparteth to every man severally as he will. You know, it comes from God. It doesn't mm-hmm. come from man. Yeah, right. And so right. you just have to, okay, the gift of soul winning. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with praying, God, make this person a soul winner, you know, make right. them more sensitive. Sure. To, yeah. For souls to pray, you know, make right. this person a prayer warrior. But to say, I'm going to impart to you that gift, that's a very, you have to just be really careful with that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because there's not a ton of scripture on that. The impartation of the blessing, that's something, you know, from Genesis, Sister Nona Freeman used to teach a phenomenal lesson on the blessing from Genesis. You know, the very real thing in right. Genesis, what they were doing, these type things. Right. But uh, were they imparting a spiritual gift? See, when you get the Holy Ghost, you've got all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Yeah. Right. When you have the Holy Ghost. And then it's a matter of accessing that and yielding and letting God work through you in those various areas. There's a lot of spiritual disinformation in the mm. world today, such as spiritual authority in the church. Some people would want to impose a Catholic-style system on the Pentecostal movement because you've got Paul rebuking Peter basically to his face in Galatians yeah. 2. Mm. And so that's the reason I said in biblically really the local church is the highest form because you've even got you know Paul saying, Hey, Apollos, I want you to go here. And he says, well, his will was not at all to come at this time. Mm-hmm. So Paul didn't pull the spiritual authority card and say, I'm the apostle. Apollos, you need to go here. Right. <laughs> so the power of personal prophecy is a horrible thing. That looses lies into people's life. You know, unfortunately, I would say 80% either side, that's just a guess. I haven't done official stat. Of the prophecy that's going on in the Pentecostal movement is just not true. It's the good. gifts of want to. Uh-huh. It's the mm-hmm. gifts of uh, I'm hoping God won't let my words fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like Samuel. Okay, so Satan's father of lies. You give access to the devil when you lie. And yeah. so mm-hmm. there's churches that are just bound in lies right now. Wow. I've, I've had evangelist friends of mine. I don't know how much time we've got. Just really quick. Yeah. I, I've had evangelist friends of mine like that were really used legitimately in the gifts of the Spirit. And so then they start getting flown to the biggest churches in Pentecost, getting massive offerings. And I remember one guy telling me, he's like, Steve, he said, they don't fly you out there because you can preach, because anybody can preach. They want the dog and pony show. Mm -hmm. They want to call out person in the congregation, all this kind of stuff, which, and I'm not saying there's not a place for that. That can happen. Like we, okay, I'll just give you an example. We, Mm -hmm. before I came up here, one of our best ladies in our church, she had basically felt like she was prophesied that she was going to get married within the next year. Okay, within the next year, you're going to get married. And so she told me, so the guy who made the prophecy, I was actually going to preach for him. And she says, well, he did. I said, well, that's the reason I hadn't had him back is because Mm. of that. The guy's a great guy. He's a nice guy. He just 
missed it. People get caught mm-hmm. up in hype. People get caught up in excitement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They say certain things. So all those things in Pentecost, I mean, we just have to, the church is called the pillar and ground of the truth. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. And uh, we have to deal in truth. Yeah. Amen. That's good. That's very good. That's good. That brother, uh, Philip Harrelson was just up here at family camp. Great we got to sit down with him for a little yeah. bit. and We asked him the same question, you know, Joe asked about, you know, I asked him that, you know, about the importation. It seems kind of like a fad going on in the UPCI with, uh, you know, this, we're having the impartation conference. Come here, get your, get somebody to lay hands on you. Now you'll receive the gift of healing. Or, You're you know, joking. Like, no, that's the thing. Like that's, there's wow. whole conferences that's now that, yeah, mm-hmm. that oh, promote that. And, oh yeah, very scary. So I asked him, I said, Brother Harold, so what do you think about that? And he's like, well, I'm slow on it, you know. So, <laughs> so, so like, oh yeah, yeah. And then he, he, you know, he really he talked about some of the same things. It was good. It's good to mm-hmm. see elders um, yeah. talking some common Elder sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. you just got to be so careful. Like the gifts of healing doesn't mean everybody's going to be healed. Paul, I mean, he, Paul said, Trophimus, if I left him, lead him sick. Yeah. yeah. Timothy, use a little wine for your stomach's sake, and your oft infirmities. I mean, yeah. it just. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then he, Brother Harrelson, talked about prophesying. Everybody wants to prophesy. He said, "What did the prophets say in the Bible?" Usually, it was like doom. It was kind of a, you know, like it's a, Jeremiah. Yeah, it wasn't like a good, like. Well, yeah, even I Agab- even Agabus, the two times we see him in in Acts, he mentioned something that it's, you know, famine's coming. yeah, a famine's coming, or Paul's mm-hmm. about to be, you know, bound and carried off to prison. You know. I mean, yeah, that doesn't sound too great. No, it know? wasn't a good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not about to regrow all my hair and yeah. lose forty pounds. It'd be great, you know. Like, you know, can we? Yeah, that's not. But well, uh, I was say a lot of life. that is used for spiritual control. Hmm. Uh, a lot of that is used as an inferiority complex. Wow. And that's another thing I've noticed in Pentecost is people try to either be in the Word or the Spirit, and the two are not contrary. No, right, right. right. That's so True. good. That yeah. is so good. Absolutely. I got one more question here. It wasn't. Not one in the notes that, okay. but anything that you know, obviously you, I, I believe you do, you get to get around the UPC quite a bit and churches, not just UPC, but um, anything going on in the, the United States oneness movement that you would, I want to be careful how it phrases, maybe not an error, but you know, a direction, any directions that you see that we shouldn't be going or, you know, some advice that for our day, what we're facing, like maybe we shouldn't be going this direction, we should be going another direction or anything in that. You well, know what I mean? It's kind of broad, but... Yeah. We'll tell you, you know, philosophical underpinnings are so important. There can be a time where something's suspended in air with nothing underneath it. Let's say it had something underneath it. Yeah. You jerk it out very quickly, and then it's suspended in air before it falls. Mm-hmm. And so the philosophical underpinnings are so important. We feel inferior because sometimes we don't have the degrees or we don't think we have the education that we need. When we will hear there are errors in Scripture, there's errors in the Bible, I think people are taking that far too uncritically. And so when you destroy the Bible, you've destroyed what we believe and teach. Right. And mm-hmm. it's to the point I have actually heard apostolics say, well, Acts 2.38 works even if the Bible's not true. So we're just going to oh, wow. preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, repent, get baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, even though we know the Bible's full of errors. Wow. wow. And those are 
extraordinarily dangerous presupposition. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. And so also a desire to be accepted by the world. You know, I don't want to not, you know, I'm not going to go pick a fight. There was a point in time, I mean, if they hated Jesus. Yeah. They called yeah. Jesus demon-possessed. Yeah. Right? Multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, if you, the more you're like Jesus, the more there's going to be these kingdoms and conflict. So there comes a point in time, you speak the truth in love, have unbridled faith in the word of God. You know, we teach Christian evidences at Indiana Bible College. The Unfortunately, most Bible colleges, you go to learn why there's errors in the Bible. And that's the reason they're not leaving Bible college and starting churches and all this many times. Because they're taught, well, the Bible's full of errors. Nobody can really understand it. Yeah, well, you have to yeah. study Greek for 19 years before you can even begin to get a modicum of understanding. When, you know, the Bible and the vernacular is what, it, what it's always been all about. That people can understand the Bible. Yeah. So we want people to know we're, we're going to, why the Bible is right. Why the Bible is correct. Another thing is, is like numbers and evangelism. Like I had another friend of mine, he was going around and if somebody just began to bomb, 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 he'd say, you got the Holy Ghost. Mm. And it was for numbers. No. Well, right. they don't realize the spiritual devastation. There's, there's people all in our movement that wonder, did I really get the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Have I really spoken with God? Yeah. And this used to be worse than it is today, but I mean, sometimes evangelists really? leave and whisper in their ears, you know, repeat after me. No. Bah, 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 oh. you know? Yeah. And so that quest for numbers. Sick. Wow. It's disgusting. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the real, we want the real deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are good. I guess one question I, I put, and I kind of rephrased it. Do you have any advice on how a minister can impact the next generation more effectively? Be prayerful, obviously. Prayer is that thing that wherever you're at, you can impact the world. You know, you can be praying yeah. for North Korea to be an open society, you know, from North Dakota. You can pray these things. So mm -hmm. prayer gives you the ability to impact doing what you're doing on electronic media for as long as you can. Who knows how long that tool will be available, but doing it for as long as you can. Writing books are a good thing. Sharing the gospel with people. Because you never know. I mean, you share the gospel with this, and then he may share the gospel with 10, who shares the gospel with 20, who shares the gospel with one person there. And also finding really your place in ministry, what you feel like God has called you to do. Because there's a lot of people maybe that are out of place in ministry. We're here in Williston, North Dakota. It's so refreshing to hear Brother Puckett say, you know, God called him here mm -hmm. to Williston. And another thing, too, is one thing that's missing from this generation that the previous generations had. We're not starting churches in inner cities but we're also not starting churches in mid-sized cities and things. So, you know, I was talking to the campus pastor. I'm like, okay, so what got communicated? Why? Because it used to be they had the phrases, you know, where God calls, where he leads, he feeds, where mm -hmm. he guides, he provides. You know, yeah. you had all this. So you'd have people that had nothing. They'd go in the middle of New York City and start a church and God would miraculously provide and all this. Mm -hmm. Well, now people just want to have all their ducks in a row and they're not mm -hmm. going to do True. that. And then they're told you're set up for failure and all this. So the overall thing, uh, if you study like the statistics in the United Pentecostal Church International, like we have had a flat growth since 2003. 
So I was talking to Brother Gay, and I'll go back to that. And, and he said, well, first of all, we're told don't even try to start a church in a town under 20,000. It's hmm. the metro areas that need <laughs> churches. Oh, man. 1,600 here. <laughs> yeah. You can't start a church in a bigger city unless you have massive financial support from other people. He said, basically, it's been communicated to a generation that you can't go start a church. Oh, wow. And uh, I know we want to do everything decently in order. I mean, start it properly oh, yeah. and through right. district means and all this Billion kind of stuff. Dollars. But that's basically what's been communicated. Wow. Hmm. Okay, I got one more question. So in like Acts chapter 14, we see here Paul, he's in Iconium at this time. He comes in, verse 3, Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So God allowed to show what, that his word was true, allowed these signs and wonders to be done by their hands, it says. And then we see here just a little bit later, there is an impotent man not able to walk. And Paul says in, in verse 10, he said, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped up and walked. Who was it that preached at General Conference that talked about that we don't hear all of the missionary stories we want to hear in America? But what is it that we're missing here in America that we're not seeing these signs and wonders that really ought to be? Well, I think the first thing is, is it said uh, confirm the word with signs following. So the mm -hmm. word has to come first. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's good. And so often people want the signs and the wonders mm -hmm. before they want the truth of the word of God. So I think when you're just preaching, teaching the word of God, these things will follow. Yeah. And they don't always follow. Trophimus, I left in my lead him sick, sick, Paul said mm -hmm. uh, to Timothy, he said, drink, you know, use, drink no longer water, but use, not drink, use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your mm -hmm. oft infirmities. Mm -hmm. So he obviously didn't see miracles in every case. Also, it's, you know, I remember elder brother Bernard, David Bernard's dad, teaching in a chapel one time, and he said, now, around the world, we probably see multiple miracles every day. Mm -hmm. Everything's just not brought in and condensed like yeah. it is in the book of Acts. True. So there could be an aspect of that. But I think a few things in America is, first of all, we want to see the miracles you know, we want the bread, but not necessarily the giver of the bread. Mm. I think they will just, they will be a manifestation of the body of Christ with the gifts of healing resident as we become more of an apostolic church. And we're really mm -hmm. apostolic and from the crown of our head to the sole of our feet. Also in America, you know, he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and no sign shall be given unto it. But then... Uh, Jonah the prophet. Right. Yeah. So an evil adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And so sometimes that will hinder as well miracles. But I do believe they're resident in the church, they're resident in the body of Christ. And I do expect them to explode mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. at any moment. Yeah. Right. But again, even when they explode out, Acts 238 is the main thing. I mean, you get healed of anything and you're not saved. Right. Right. You're right. Still yeah. Yeah. Not still. Saved. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, Ronnie Coyne. Y'all remember Ronnie Coyne? I don't know if y'all mm -hmm. remember Ronnie Coyne. Mm -hmm. But uh, he uh, <laughs> he would go around everywhere. Like, okay, so there was a lady of angels. This happened in the 50s. I think it was in the 50s. And he said, what do you want? And he said, I've got a cold. Prayed for the cold. And she went to walk away. He said, you know, I feel like something's wrong with your eye. He's like, yeah, pray for my eye. What she didn't know is he had a glass eye. Oh, wow. 
And so he didn't have, it was plastic actually. And so he, he just didn't have anything back there. And so she prays and God heals his eye. Now he didn't recreate the eye, but Ronnie could see when he took the eye out. He just had this empty socket. Wow. And you can watch the clip on YouTube if you want to do this called That's Incredible. He was on the TV program in the 70s called That's Incredible, where this happened, you know, where he does this. So I had a friend of mine who's dead now, who's one of Brother Latta's best friends, that how he got the Holy Ghost, because they were in a living room together, and Ronnie Coyne says, here, tape up my eye however you want to. And so he's got this hole. So Leonard, his name was Leonard Connor, said he's sitting there looking at this guy with a hole in his head. <laughs> and he says, okay, I want you to read this. He was a meat cutter. And he pulls out and he had his union meat card called Amalgamated Meat Cutters. He pulls it out and he said the minute Ronnie said Amalgamated, he went back and got the Holy Ghost. Wow. <laughs> wow. He didn't it was amazing. And he became an apostolic preacher. Yeah. Wow. Jesus name preacher till he died. These things do happen. Brother O.W. Williams, who if anybody ever had the gift of faith, it was O.W. Williams. I've never seen anything like it. Like if you handed O.W. Williams the microphone, you just knew anything could happen. Hmm. Like it was supernatural. It was like, whoa, hmm. this is amazing. And so there at the old Rockwall Church in Lufkin, uh, every <clears throat> Sunday night he would pray for people. And I can't even tell you some of the miracles that happened because people don't believe but he'd have 1,100 people on uh, Sunday night. But now our missionaries tell us the reason we don't see it is because we don't believe. We're yeah, full of unbelief. Yeah. I remember one time I'm driving down a road in Albany with some IBC students. I know we need to get through with this. And, um, you know, and I'm telling them, you know, this, exactly what you're saying. And they said, oh, we believe God can do anything. They said, tell us one of these missionary stories that we wouldn't believe. I was like, okay, so this is uh, Kevin Blake, who pastors currently in Florida, but he's a missionary to Ghana, West Africa. So he mm -hmm. says their youth group was having a prayer meeting in their church. And so at 3 a.m., a guy comes through the ceiling, lands on the floor, and the young people gather around and pray him through to the Holy Ghost. He said they rejoice and everything for a while. And then they say, Oh, by the way, they said, what were you doing on our roof? They figured he was going to rob the place or something, mm -hmm. you know. And he said, what were you doing on our roof? He says, oh, he says, now I live in South Africa. He said, but once a week, he says, I levitate to a witches meeting in London. We have a coven meeting. And he says, as I flew over your church, I lost all my power. And mm -hmm. wow. so the guy sitting next to me, who's a UPC preacher, he's like, you're right. I don't believe that. And <laughs> I'm like, okay. I mean, Kevin said... When he was on deputation, missionary, he said he told it three or four times and he, nobody believed it. He's like, okay, I'll just raise money for Ghana. He said, I can't tell. And that none of our wow. missionaries basically can tell mm -hmm. the things that happen like yeah. that. That just made me think of Philip when he gets teleported, basically. He's over here baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch, comes out of the water with him and gone. And then next thing they know, they find him some miles away. Have you read about Maud LaFleur? <laughs> Oh. You know, this is Janet Trout's mama, Maude Maud LaFleur. Okay. And so this is at the Louisiana District Campground. This is like memorialized. She's out in the woods praying all day. They used to go out in yeah. bands. You've heard the story. No. And, oh, okay. So, okay. And so she's out in the woods praying. And so they're having tent revival that night. 
and she gets in late. She comes in and she's not dressed her hair and they're leaving on the Mulan wagon. This is like 1912. And she's like, and she was the organ player. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I am so sorry. And they're like, well, we got to go and everything. So she got down beside her bed and she started praying, crying out to God. And she said when she opened her eyes, she was at the tent on the organ. I have heard this. So the people oh. got there later. And the minister got up and said, how would you get here? She says, I don't know. And so <laughs> she said her testimony was, they said, if we had a good time in Jesus, I did too. You know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So there was another time she was about to get robbed and she started worshiping the Lord and her whole little band thought, she's fixing to get translated again. <laughs> they thought she was <laughs> We had, I'll just tell you, I don't know that I could mention this guy. This guy is probably the most credentialed guy in the UPC, has the highest degree of anybody you can get. PhD, he tells the same story. He and his wife were like in Singapore and they couldn't get through customs and all this. And they were supposed to be at the other end of the country. Mm. And he said when they walked through the cu- the customs door, they were where they were supposed to be. Wow. What? Oh, yeah. So things do That's happen, awesome. maybe more than yeah. you know. But again, realize. like our missionaries say, like this brother who pastors an amazing church, he just can't tell that everywhere. Yeah. People don't believe it. Yeah. Mm. I wish God would do that for me. Like, Please don't. We need you to record. You know, like, yeah, we, we need you to, <laughs> we need you here to record. I mean, Wait until you go home tonight. Yeah, I got like a three-hour drive. I just walk out the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shut my pickup door and just be in the driveway at home. That'd be... Thank you, Brother Waldron, for letting us interview you. Only a pleasure. How can people hear more of your teaching or reach out to you, your social well, handles and stuff like that? New Life of All, Benny. Uh, on YouTube. If you'll just punch in New Life of Albany, we have about 32, 3300 YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, like a library. We don't do it just for one a video. We, we do one or two videos basically every day. We've been about 850 plus days without missing a day. Oh, wow. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. So you can go on the channel and look back, get your questions answered, any number of things. And we go into... Uh, just any, all kinds of things that deal with the Bible Christian doctrine. We, you know, we have a Facebook page. We don't have a lot on that, though. Okay. All right. Well, again, we want to say thank you for coming. Yes. Thank you, yes, thank you uh, very much. It's been a lot of fun. Well, listeners, we hope that you enjoyed this. We say God bless. God bless. God bless. Amen. Thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.